but we are still preparing for future things. Everyone say future things. You know, 2020 was uh, coming into 2020, certainly a new year, uh, but according to the way you look at life, a new decade, uh, there's different views of whether or not we're actually in a new decade yet. Uh, but I, I just declared for me, I'm in a new decade because I got 2020. I haven't, uh, the 19s are gone. Everybody say the 19s are gone. I'm in a new decade. And so as we began this year and even preparing for the new year, we began looking at Isaiah 42 and 43 and just digging into it from all different ways and means because Isaiah 42 and 43 are prophetic not only about Jesus, they're also prophetic about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, pardon me, Babylonian captivity, and they're prophetic for us about what God wants to do and is doing and has done done in our life. Uh, we, we sang about redemption today. Uh, Isaiah 43, the word of the Lord says, I have redeemed you. So it's prophetic. In fact, some people have called Isaiah the gospel according to Isaiah because it's just chock full of types and shadows and insights and prophecies about the church, but about the children of Israel. So and, and when Isaiah prophesied this, as we've learned, uh, the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity. And just by way of quiz uh, this morning, uh, how long were the children of Israel in Babylonian captivity? Seventy years. And so just think about uh, this prophecy being read to them uh, for all the 69-year-olds. All they've known is Babylonian captivity. And so these, these passages were just explosive in their life. In fact, uh, we, we've learned that God came to them, and even though they had not earned it, God's mercy, which is new every morning, which we sang about this morning, came to them under the prophetic mandate of God that he was going to bring them out and into the new thing. Somebody say new thing. Isaiah 42, 9 says this, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things, say new thing, new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. How many of you know God's still not opposed to telling you about your future? Amen. And so he said, the old, the, the former things are done. Everybody say 2019 is gone. It's gone. We're in 2020 and God has a new thing. And I believe he wants to share some things with us about our future. He has a plan for our life. And if you go over to Isaiah 43, he hits it again, even stronger way. Verse 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a, somebody say new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Say spring forth. We're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, he said, shall you not know it? In other words, hey, uh, you could miss this if you're not careful. And now catch this for those in Babylonian captivity. He said, let me just tell you one thing I'm going to do before it happens. I'm going to make a roadway in the wilderness. How many of you know wildernesses don't have roads? I'm about to give you some direction through your bondage through your wilderness experience. And he said this, he went on to say, and a river in the desert. There's no rivers in the desert. He said, I'm about to transform your world. I'm about to, I'm about to do something new. Somebody say new thing. Give somebody a fist bump and say this morning, say new thing. And so that's where we've been in 2020 and I, I, and beyond has a lot of new things that God desires to spring forth in our life. Now, 
uh, we, we jumped into the thought of gaining focus for our future a couple of Sundays ago. And, and forgive me, but from time to time, I get into the acrostic mode, focus, F-O-C-U-S. It's kind of a crutch for preachers sometimes to preach from the acrostic. It's a little evidence that maybe uh, you might think their theology is a little weak. Probably so, but hey, everything we're saying from Isaiah 42 and 43, uh, even in this focus factors for our future that we're talking about are certainly biblically based. And so with that in mind, here's where we've been. The first focus factor we looked at is faith. How many of you know you're not going to make it anywhere without faith? You're not going to move into your destiny without a a faith for your future. In fact, that's what the prophet Isaiah came to do with these children of Israel in Babylonian captivity. He began to build their faith. He began to tell them, listen, I'm telling you, I'm making a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I'm giving drink to my chosen people. I've redeemed you. I've called you. You're coming out. Those that are blind are going to see. And he begins to build their faith. He tells them things about their future that they were sitting there in Babylon captivity going, well, I'm going to have to trust God here and believe him for that. Everyone say faith for your future. And so we, a couple of weeks ago, that's where we were last week, the letter O, uh, we had faith for our future. And then last week is obedience for today. How many of you know obedience, uh, a disobedient heart will never get you into the destiny of God for your life. Uh, the Bible says, Isaiah 1, come now, let us reason together. And then he talks about if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. How many of you know God wants to bless us by way of our trust in him? faith and our obedience to him, he moves us into his best for us. Somebody say amen. (laughs) And then the letter C. Man, I'm as excited about this as anything. This morning on Breakfast with Champions, I just just got all overwhelmed in my heart. The letter C, uh, focus factor for your future, extra strength, by the way. The letter C stands for change. Don't run out on me now. How many of you like to get things just like you like it? But how many of you know the God who never changes is always busy about the business of changing things? Going to get a better amen. And this Isaiah 43 passage has everything to do with change. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? Now what he's saying, hey, new things are coming, things are beginning to change. Things are about to change. He's just declaring it. We've got to embrace the changes that God has for us. I've said this a hundred times in my life. If you need some things to, well, let me just back up. Let me just get, how many of you in your life, there's some things need to change? I've got some things in my life. You know what? If you need some things to change, there's some things you cannot change. But if you need some things to change, you look in your life and say, oh, I don't know how. I, I can't. I need God to help me change this thing. Well, if you want some things to change, there might be some things in your life that need to change. In other words, it's a partnership. And so the prophet comes in and makes this declaration. And it, this prophetic declaration makes it crystal clear. That dramatic changes are coming, roadways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, waters in the wilderness. But he also makes it clear that this, through this prophetic declaration, that remembering the former things, just looking back, always looking back, is detrimental to the future thing. 
And so God wants some things to change so he can change some things. Everyone say, God wants some things to change so he can change some things. It's a partnership for sure. And this phrase, spring forth, we talked about it. It's a horticultural term. It's like things that are beginning to bud. And if I had time, we could even uh, think about the metamorphosis of the butterflies, a little old ugly caterpillar, and voila, God works his wonder, and out comes the beautiful butter. Everybody say butterfly. It's a transformation. And that's what God is in the business of doing. And springing forth is a transformation process that all of us need to embrace in our life. If you want a road in the wilderness or a river in the desert, you and I have to embrace the changes that God has for us. Are you with me? In fact, Paul said in Romans 12 too, you've read this and probably studied this and maybe even memorized this. He said, don't be conformed to this world. But be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, there's some things that might need to change here before some things change in here or out here. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's talking about the future of your life. And so some things need to change in order for things to change. I love what Isaiah 42 says, and, I, and I, I can't believe I'm squeezing all these out of these two passages of Scripture. I've, I've read them back to you a hundred different ways, and, and so in my thought processes about change and where it begins in our life and what we need to do today, if you go back to Isaiah 42, when he says in verse 9 and 10, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they, they spring forth, I tell you of them. He said, Before you see some things that are coming in your future, I'm going to tell you about them. But then he says, Let me tell you something that you need to change. He says in verse 10, Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the, of the earth. Does I say that right? His praise from the ends of the earth. So, hey, here, t- t- title of today's me- message, you better change your tune. If you need some things to change, you may need to change your tune. And let me just say this about our song. Everybody has a song. You ever heard somebody sing some bad songs in life? How you doing? Oh, uh, yo, uh, what's the old hee-haw? Gloom, despair, and agony over me. Oh, deep, dark depression. See, all the older people are laughing. All the younger people go, what? What was that? Jessica's going, what? Google it. Hee-haw. <laughs> Oh, they had, they, everybody's got a song and I just, this just exploded in me. God says, I got, I'm going to tell you some things, but let me tell you where it needs to begin. You better change your tune. You people in Babylonian captivity, you've been singing the wrong song way too long. And I thought this up this morning, it just popped in my head. Here it is. The song we sing determines everything. 
The song we sing determines about everything. Whatever song you sing, it's creative. It's, it, it, it's prophetic. And, and, and when you begin to sing the song, uh, I, I, I'm just firing off in all directions. I just got to stop and give this illustration. Uh, and I, what was the young lady's name that said, I believe in myself? Sunita, back in junior high or high school? Eighth grade, sixth grade, Stacy and Sunita were in Quitman, Texas, trying out, right? No, here, Lumberton? Quitman, trying out for cheerleader. They were nervous. And, uh, I mean, everybody say cheerleader. They were nervous and they said, oh man, this is pressure. And she said, I know I'm going to be a cheerleader because I believe in myself. And Stacy got a hold of that because Stacy, I don't think she believed in herself. And she came and told us all right about that. And we were just so excited. You know, she believed. I said, man, that's awesome. This was how long ago? A long time ago. A long time ago. I be- Everybody say, I believe in myself. Well, she was singing a song of confidence. She was singing a song of faith. Well, hey, fast forward to this past week. She works for some company somewhere, and I'll butcher this a little bit, uh, but 7,000 employees, and she was picked out of 7,000 employees as one of the top, I'll say, 10 finalists, and it was about attitude and productivity, and had the word, uh, the, one of the best cheerleaders in the whole company. Guess who got number one? Sunita. Because she believes in herself. And now she's a sermon illustration. You can tell her that. And I'm telling you, I thought, that just blows my mind. She began to sing a song. I don't know if she got cheerleader in sixth grade or not. She did. Okay. Did you? You did. Okay. Everybody feel better about, okay. Everybody feel better. There's nothing worse than losing. I can tell you, you know. But but now she fast forward. She beat out 7,000 employees and was awarded a trip. Catch this. Now, this is future and destiny to anywhere in the world she wants to go. Huh? 9,000 employees. Pardon me, Sunita. Because she sang the song. And so I'm a pretty big believer in the song we sing determines everything. And here's God. Well, these children of Israel have been in Babylonian captivity now on 70 years. And he said, well, I want to tell you something. There's some new things, but you better change your tune. Have you ever said that to your kids? Has that ever been said to you? If that's ever been said to you, raise your head. You better change your tune, young man. You knew you were one step away from daddy going, better change your tune. In fact, the word repent, that it's, it has to do with change. It means to change the way you think. And thus, and thus here's kind of the, extend, the, the expanded version of that word, to change the way you think and thus bring a correction of direction in your life. Repent means to turn and go another direction, but you, gotta ch- you can't just turn. You got to change the way you think. You may have to change your tune and the song you sing. It means really also to reconsider, to re- repent means, mm, I, I'm going this way. I've got to stop and reconsider. Well, what did prophet say? Prophet Isaiah, he said, he, he said, don't consider the things of old. So in a sense, all of us, we need to change our tune. We need to repent. Now, it's great in Isaiah 42. God promises a new direction. 
He promises new things. Isaiah 42, 16, he said, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead, pardon me, lead them in the paths they have not known. He promised them a, a new direction. But how many of you know, in order for them to find that new direction and that new thing, they got to change their tune. Look at your neighbor. You may have been wanting to say this. I know, especially to your spouse, just say, you might consider changing your tune. <laughs> Some of you, that felt really good. Now, we must choose to quit considering the things that move us backward and begin considering that which moves us forward. The song we sing determines almost everything. Y'all just won't go home now. We could just chew on that. Oh, no, I got a few more thoughts. Let me give you some things that may need to change from these two chapters here. We may need to change our tune from number one. Here we go. From victim to victor. Everyone say from victim to victor. Now, how many of you know the 69 and a half year olds probably had a victim mentality? My stupid parents. They got us into this mess. And as early as their capacity, they began to probably, I'm just, I'm just hypothesizing here. Now, by the way, there was a, couple, a few young men, we got over into Daniel, who, who didn't have the victim mentality. There were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. They didn't have the victim mentality in Babylonian captivity. But I just assuming a little bit, because there was a lot of children of Israel, that there were a lot of people singing somebody done me wrong songs. I'm the victim here. You ever have people in, in your world, maybe even you and I have at some point, we play the victim card. I'm just a victim of my circumstances. It's my mom and daddy's fault. It's, the, it's our society's fault. It's our culture's fault. It, you, know, you know what? I have a little victim mentality. You know what my victim mentality was? I'm, I'm getting over it. I had a victim mentality about math because I had a lousy math teacher. Could I get that off my chest? All he wanted to talk about is sports and cars. And then he would give you homework. And so for years, I struggled in math. Because of my teacher. That's the victim mentality. Now the children of Israel here, here, this is so amazing. This kind of pops right up in the beginning of this. I'm going to do some new things in your life. They're going to spring forth before, before they happen. I'm going to tell you about them. So sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea, verse 10. And then he gets through there, through the wilderness and it says, verse 12, let them give glory to the Lord. That's my, that's whatever song you sing, it needs to bring glory to God. Or, are you with me? And then he begins to sing this. He said, this is kind of his suggestion. Uh, Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out. Yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemy. Somebody say amen. What's he telling these victims? He's telling, I'm going to show up and, and I'm moving you out of the victim mindset. You start singing this song of victory in your life because that's what I'm going to do in your life. Amen. Everyone say the song we sing 
determines almost everything. If you sing a song of defeat and victim mindset, you just if you sing that song, that, that that's a prophetic declaration to your future. I believe in myself. We may need to change our tune from victim to victor. Number two, we may need to change our tune from rejected to accepted. Now, these children of Israel, I'm telling you, they probably felt rejected by God. But uh, if you read through and we looked at it, the reason they're where they are is not because God's a meanie, God's an ugly. It was because of their disobedience, because of their lack of concern, because of their looking to false gods in their life. They went into Babylonian captivity. And I'll bet you when they got into the dark place, they felt like God had left them and God had rejected. But he comes along in Isaiah 43. And you tell me if this sounds like a God who's rejected them. Verse 4. Since you were precious in my sight. Now, when were they precious in his sight? Before they were ever born? From day one, from creation. They were precious in his sight. He said, you have been honored and I have loved you. Whoo. Man, if, they, if, they, if those folks embraced that, and they did, I'm telling you, they moved from a sense of rejection to a sense of great acceptance. In fact, how many of you know how this happened in reality? It happened on Calvary's cross. It says in Isaiah 53, if you, if you fast forward into a little more of the gospel of, of Isaiah, he says this, surely, oh, let me back up. He says this, uh, uh, in Isaiah 53, verse 3, he says, he had, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. In fact, we know uh, from the Scripture uh, that God, in fact, turned his back and rejected his own son. So we could be accepted by him. And all of us, we need to change our tune. Everybody say, you better change your tune. Say this, the song we sing determines almost everything. And if we're singing a song of rejection in life, whether it's from man or God, if we're going to move into the destiny of God for our life, if we're going to embrace the new thing, if we're going to get focused for our future, we've got to change our tune from victim to victor, from rejected to accepted. In fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 1, 6. He said this clear as a bell. Everybody say it's clear as a bell. Ring your bell and go ding a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling It's clear as a bell here. ding a ling It's clear as a bell. You are accepted among the beloved. You're not only accepted by God, you're accepted by the people of God. Everybody say, I'm accepted. Give yourself a big hug. Oh, man, I feel better now. I'm accepted by God, not because of what I have done, but because of what He has done for me. Whoo. Don't sing that song. Song of rejection. Number three. 
we may need to change our tune from not only victim to victor and rejected to accepted, but pointless to purposeful. Think about Babylonian captivity. Life was pointless. From a secular mindset, from a from a defeated perspective, it was pointless. We're here. And as a Babylonian captivity, one would struggle. It would just be natural to struggle with a sense of purpose and destiny. It's even like the, the Egyptian bondage. We're just making bricks with straw and water. You know, it's, this is pointless. And I don't know about you, but the world is filled with people who believe that life is pointless. When you study culture, you study uh, uh, uh the attitudes of you, you look in the even the suicide rate in America is 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 terrible. It's because people believe there's no reason to live. They think life is pointless. But when you live with a sense of purpose and destiny, there's a point. There's a reason for being. And that's what you see in Isaiah 43. He says this, 43 verse 7. He says this, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. What's he saying? I made you with a purpose, if nothing else, to bring me glory. I've got, there's a point to all of this. Verse 10 you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God, and he keeps going. What's he doing? He's saying, I know you felt like it's pointless. I know you felt for the past 70 years that, it, that there's no reason for being and no reason for living. But I came to tell you, God, I created you. I formed you. I fashioned you for a distinct purpose in the earth. And, and, and we've got to embrace that reality. And, and if you've been singing the pointless song, you've been singing it way too long. If you sang it one day, it's way too long. We need to begin to sing the song of destiny and purpose. I've created by God for His glory. If it was pointless, there'd be two preachers at every church. One to get you born again, the other to just send you on to heaven. And sometimes I felt like the latter when I'd like to be that one. I want to send a few of them on to heaven. But we have a point and a reason for being. We may need to change our tune because the song we sing determines almost everything. We've got to quit singing that victim song, that rejection song, that pointless song, and begin to sing a new song to the Lord. Number four, we may need to quit singing and replace that old song of I'm a nobody to a song of I am somebody. Oh, I'm not important. I'm a nobody in the earth. Isaiah 43, 1, he says this. Man, he just, he just hammers this thought. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You got a name. You have an identity. You are mine. You're not a nobody. Tell somebody, you're not a nobody. Now, I'm not talking about being cocky and arrogant. I am somebody. But I'm talking about a realistic understanding of who we are in Christ. We are his chosen ones. We are his redeemed ones. He said, fear not. I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. You are somebody to me. And then you go back to verse 4. Uh, you were precious in my sight. 
You have been honored and I have loved you. Wow. I think of Peter. He's one of my real heroes. You know, there's some guys in, in the scripture that are bigger than life. Joseph, bigger than life. You just, did he do anything wrong? You know, you think, uh, did he, was he the sinless one? Uh, you know, he was a type of Christ, by the way. Uh, and then you think of Daniel. Who are these guys? Who raised these kids? And see, they're just bigger than life. You go, wow, what a guy. Peter is my kind of guy. A cussing fisherman. <laughs> he smells funny. Kind of a nobody. Because there were a lot of old cussing fishermen. And Jesus walked into his life. And his name was originally Simon. Which means a reed, which is a, a from scripture a reed. You don't be a. In fact, a bruised reed he'll not break. There in Isaiah forty two. Uh, but then, a, don't be uh, blown to and fro like a weed, a weed, a reed. Back and forth. In other words, his name was one of weakness and frailty. A nobody. Mama kind of named him a bad name. Jesus came into his world and said, you know, I know you're, you're Simon, but I'm going to begin, and here's the Greek reading, I'm going to begin to call you, I'm going to begin to sing a new song over your life. I'm going to begin to call you Peter. You're not Peter yet, but I'm going to call you Peter. You're Simon right now, but I'm going to start calling you Peter. I'm going to start calling you a rock. I'm going to begin to speak to you about who you will one day be. And Peter the rock stood up on, after denying the Lord. Stood up on Pentecost Sunday and preached the first New Testament Pentecostal message under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And thousands of people were born again. Peter was somebody in the eyes of God. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He talks about the weak things, the frail things. He said God chooses the weak things of the world the, to confound the wise, the insignificant, the unimportant, the, the Simons of life, to transform them into something and somebody. Ooh, that's what God wants to do for all of us. We gotta, we gotta sing. Everybody say, sing a new song. See, the song we sing determines almost everything, and we can't certainly sing "I'm a nobody" song. We gotta sing the song of the Lord that says over us, "I am somebody in the eyes of God. I've been redeemed. I've been chosen. I've been. Pre I'm precious. I've been honored. He loved me. He redeemed me. I'm somebody in His eyes of imp great importance." Amen. And then finally, we may need to change our tune from not only the victim to a victor or rejected to accepted and pointless to purposeful and a nobody to a somebody, but we certainly need to change our tune from 
fearful to fearless. In fact, how many of you know fearful is a paralyzing enemy? I'll never forget years ago, Nathan and I with another one of his friends and some other people were in Mexico. And uh, just for a day, we were at this cenote. Anybody want to know, know what a cenote is? It's a deep, crystal blue, clear hole in the earth with, filled with water that, that many times they don't even know how deep they are. And there was this cenote and a restaurant built right by the cenote, a two-story restaurant. And, and uh, down below, in fact, it's probably three or four stories from the top floor down to the water. And... Uh, People jumped off of it. And so, me being the unwise father, I said, Nathan, I dare you to jump off. As I looked down there, and he said, only if you do. And I'm sitting there looking over the edge. Fear, uh, ain't no way. And all of a sudden, hear him him and Delane came running past me. Ah! And I said, teenagers cannot do that to me. And I backed off, faced my fear, and jumped into the cenote. I said, I scratch that off the bucket list. We don't need to do that anymore. But I was paralyzed until my son ran past me and said, it's possible and you will not die. And the prophetic word of God comes to these children of Israel and says, fear not. Everybody say fear not. 43.1, fear not, for I've redeemed you. Verse 5, he hits it again. And he says, I say, uh, he says, fear not, for I'm with you. Listen, he's with us. Everybody say fear not. And so let me, let me tell you something. If you live in fear, it's paralyzing. It will, you will, if you're walking in fear, and of course, we, you could go all the way back to the letter F on faith. If you're walking in fear, you're certainly not walking in faith, and you are paralyzed when it comes to progress. In fact, some theologians believe it's the most repeated command in Scripture. And some people, and I've never been able to find the actual list People declare, I think, I think it may be, uh, go to, it may not be actually true, but many theologians have said, uh, and then there's controversy about this, that there's 365 fear knots in Scripture, uh, one for every day of the week. How many of you know that wouldn't be a bad thing to have a fear knot for every day of the week? And whether that's true or not, uh, we embrace this reality that our future is filled with the uncertainties of life and the question marks of life, and we can't let fear paralyze us about the question marks and the places we haven't been yet. Are you with me? Say amen. And so I came to tell you, the song we sing determines almost everything. And the prophetic word of God came to these Babylonian captives who were actually God's created people. You better change your tune. And you better begin to sing a song that brings glory to me. Sing to the Lord a new song. A song of victory. 
a song of acceptance, a song of purpose, a song of identity, a song of fearlessness, a song of faith. Let the new thing, the transformation of God begin to take place in your life by changing your tune. The prophet and God basically says it'll be a miraculous transformation. A roadway in the wilderness? I'll take that. A river in the desert? What a miracle. I believe 2020 has in store for us miraculous, hey, supernatural, transforming new things that, that, that He has for us. If we can get our focus in the right place, and began to sing the song of the Lord over our lives. Sunita is going anywhere in the world she wants to go. Door of opportunity. Because as a sixth grader, she sang the right song. Amen. I don't know what song you've been singing. Maybe time to sing a new song. I had someone tell me a couple weeks ago, and I took it to heart. I'm taking it to heart. Kind of as a sense of humor, I have somewhat of a sense of humor. I talk about being old, er. And I kind of sing that song. And I am older. And so I did that. I was in San Antonio as a sense of humor. And some lady came up to me. And she, and by the way, it, was, it graded me a little wrong. And she said, don't speak that curse over your life. Well, that irritated me right there. Let me even know. You're, don't, don't say that. She corrected me. And I smiled and nodded. I said, well, even the Bible says once I was young, but now I'm old. It's just stating the obvious kind of smile. Shouldn't have done that probably. And then another minister got up a couple days later and he talked about an experience he had with a man who trains leaders around the world on a plane. And he kind of sang the same song of being old. And they were talking about principles of life. And he said, well, let me tell you one principle that I teach all of Don't ever say you're old. Don't define yourself that way. What does old mean? And so even for me, y'all can help me. I ain't singing that song anymore. Hallelujah. I may even stand up and preach next Sunday. Come on. What song are you singing? Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you're a God of future and destiny, that you have new things for us. But Lord, 
Help us find these focus factors operating in our life. Faith for our future obedience for today. And Lord God, help us today embrace the change in our lives by singing a new song to you. Even praise to our God. In Jesus' name, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we got plenty of time this morning for you to embrace this thought in your own life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, you know you kind of got me, I'll tell you, it's the Spirit of God. If you've been singing the wrong song, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, i got to be honest with God. I've been singing the wrong song over my life or my family. Just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Today, I'm singing a new song. Amen. Lord, today, we lift our hands to you. And whatever the circumstances of our life, Lord, may we embrace the changes that you have, the transformation that you have for us. And may it begin with the song we sing that determines almost everything. Lord, today we sing that song. We sing a song of purpose and destiny. We sing a song of faith and not fear. We sing a song, Lord, of purpose and reason for being. We sing a song of victory to bring you glory and honor. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let me let me just give you a little word of encouragement here. I think today it was not just for you or just for me. Or, or just for those who listen by way of Facebook Live. Here's what I believe. I want to speak it over you right now that there's people in your life that you care about, that you pray for, that need you to lovingly and gently lead them down the path of singing a new song. And you tell them this. There's somebody told me the other day that the song you sing determines almost everything. Stop singing that song. You've been singing it way too long. So take this and take it beyond the four walls of the sanctuary into your world and begin to sing a new song in the world you live. People will hear it. Many, The Bible says he's put a new song in my heart, even praise to our God. Many will, will see it. It's what interesting. It didn't say they hear it, they see it. In other words, the song you sing changes about everything, and you'll sing a new song. Many will see it in fear and trust the Lord. Whoo, I like that. Everybody said amen. Well, I love you. I appreciate you. Good to have our guests with us today. Come see us again. And uh, hey, we'll be here next Sunday. You know what the letter U, anybody want to guess what the letter U stands for? Oh, man. No, I'm, well, there's a lot of things. Everybody say unction. Ooh, it's there. You better have some unction in your gumption or you can't function. You need anointing in your life for tomorrow. 
Everybody looks for anointing from yesterday. We need a new, we need some fresh oil in the house. Come on now. Give somebody a fist bump, say fresh oil. Boom. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you Sunday. If you need anything, give me a holler. I'll be around. God bless. Amen.